It's Friday, April 12th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Students at Georgetown University voted to pay reparations to the descendants of slaves who were sold by their school. Today, we'll connect the dots on reparations, why there's been a debate over them, and why it's getting louder ahead of 2020. Then, the Trump administration is in the race to close the digital divide. We'll tell you what this could mean for rural communities. And finally, it's a big weekend for the Seven Kingdoms. We're very excited. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. Support for today's episode is brought to you by Dunkin'. They've got a whole new line of signature lattes, Blueberry Crisp, Caramel Craze, and Coca Mocha, which is good because we've got a lot of news to cover. Sipping is believing. The most complicated story today is about reparations. Reparation means to repair something. Sometimes that means saying you're sorry. Other times, it also means some kind of payment to make up. This week, students at Georgetown University voted to create a reparations fund for a group of people living in Louisiana and Maryland who are the descendants of slaves. Slaves who used to work plantations linked to Georgetown, but were sold in 1838. So we're going to get into what this vote yesterday was about, where it came from, and why it's part of a larger debate about reparations that you're going to be hearing more about. Georgetown University has been around since the late 1700s. Back then, it was called Georgetown College. It was run by Jesuit priests. In 1838, they ran into some financial trouble and decided to sell 272 enslaved people who were working on plantations in Maryland that the Jesuit priests owned. Those people were sold for what would be over $3 million today. It saved Georgetown from going under. But the sale broke families apart. They were sent to plantations in Maryland and Louisiana. And to this day, many of the descendants of those slaves are still living in those areas. One city in Louisiana called Maranguen is mostly made up of those descendants. And many live on incomes far below the national median. A student at Georgetown unearthed this backstory back in 2014. And there was backlash. Some called on the university to rename a building named after one of those Jesuit priests. Others called for a memorial honoring the 272 enslaved people. The university issued an apology and started giving preferential admission to their descendants. But some students at Georgetown wanted more. They added a question to a student referendum calling for each student to pay an extra $27.20 in reference to the 272 people. That adds up to a few hundred thousand dollars a year for a charitable fund to help those living descendants. That was the vote that happened yesterday. And like we said, it passed. But not everyone thought that this was the right approach. Some students say they shouldn't have to pay for something the university did more than 100 years ago. And the university still has to sign off. But if they do, it would make Georgetown the first institution in America to pay reparations for making money off of slavery. To be clear, paying reparations isn't new, but it's controversial. Since the 1950s, Germany has paid Holocaust survivors millions of dollars in reparations. South Africa has paid reparations to victims of apartheid violence. Back in the 80s, the U.S. passed legislation apologizing to Japanese Americans interned in camps in the U.S. during World War II and started a program to pay them back. During the Civil War, some in the U.S. pitched reparations for former slaves. 
1865, Union generals wanted to help release slaves find their financial footing by giving them land, 40 acres and a mule. But President Andrew Johnson nixed it. All of these are one-to-one reparations. We did something wrong to you, and we pay you back. Or in the case of Georgetown, your descendants. Where reparations get tricky is when it becomes about more. The idea has been around for years, but in 2014, writer Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote an epic 16,000-word essay, The Case for Reparations. But Coates didn't just argue that the family members of slaves should get payback from the people who profited. He said, after slavery ended, American society kept treating blacks like slaves through racial segregation laws known as Jim Crow, through criminal justice and housing laws, through the lack of access to education and voting booths. And he said black Americans deserve reparations for that stuff, too. I don't mean a payoff. I don't mean hush money. I don't mean uh, money given so that we never have to talk about this again. Uh, I mean an entire process. uh, And money is part of that process. Yes, indeed. That essay and the Georgetown case got people talking. In January, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee reintroduced a bill to establish a federal commission that would study how slavery affects African-Americans today and come up with ideas for reparations. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she's on board. This week, Senator Cory Booker, who's also running for president, introduced the same bill in the Senate. And he's not the only 2020 Democratic candidate talking about it. We have never fully addressed in this country the original sin of slavery. I believe it's time to start the national, full-blown conversation about reparations. When I am elected president, I will sign that bill. But it's not clear how the bill to even investigate reparations will do. It will have to pass the Senate Judiciary Committee. The head of that committee, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, says it's too divisive. Other Republicans have said the same. But now, for the first time ever, the idea of reparations has become a major issue in Congress and in a presidential election. So what's the skim? Reparations historically haven't been a popular idea and they still aren't with a majority of Americans. Recent polls show just one in four people support reparations, and only about a third of Democrats. And for those who do support it, there's no single approach or plan that everyone agrees on. Democrats, including Cory Booker and Bernie Sanders, are also pushing programs to help African-Americans, but also lower-income people overall. But reparations has become a part of the conversation in a short amount of time, and you'll be hearing about it more in the months to come. There's not just a racial divide, there's also a digital divide. The Trump administration says it's time to catch up. That story's next. There's nothing like feeling fancy without draining your bank account. Getting fresh flowers, saying keep the change, putting on a face mask, or sipping on Dunkin's new handcrafted signature lattes. With flavors like blueberry crisp, caramel craze, and coco mocha, they'll have you feeling pinkies out all day. Sipping is believing with Dunkin' Signature Lattes. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This afternoon, President Trump announced his administration's going big on faster internet across the country. 5G, or fifth-generation networks, is the infrastructure that will power the next phase of super-fast wireless connection, like 100 times faster than it is now. The tech industry is counting on 5G to power self-driving cars and smart cities. Secure 5G networks will absolutely be 
a vital link to America's prosperity and national security in the 21st century. And there's a global race to build 5G networks. That's because whichever country has 5G first is going to have a huge global economic advantage. Trump wants to win that race and bring more Americans along for the ride. So what was announced today? First, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, says it's going to auction off more airwaves. Next December, they'll let wireless companies bid on three big chunks of airwaves, which will be crucial to connecting new 5G devices to high-speed internet. Second, the FCC is going to spend $20.4 billion over the next 10 years. That money will be given as subsidies to companies that expand wireless coverage to rural areas. Here's FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai. He grew up in rural Kansas. This money will extend high-speed broadband to up to 4 million homes and small businesses in rural America. So why is expanding internet access so important? The FCC says they want to close the gap between people who have access to all the information the internet has to offer and people who don't. It's called the digital divide. And that divide is bigger than you'd think. The FCC estimates that about 30 million Americans don't have access to high-speed internet especially in more rural areas. That's because to get that right now, you need miles and miles of fiber that run from the provider to your house. Laying all that cable is too expensive in rural areas, where everything is so spread out. 97% of people who live in cities have broadband access. In rural America, it's only 65%. How are they going to do it? Airwaves to the rescue. The auction will put about 3.4 gigahertz of airwaves up for grabs. Providers are pushing for mid-band airwaves, which can be projected over greater distances, like out in rural areas. So instead of laying all that cable, they can use airwaves for what's called fixed wireless to get the same effect. Big carriers like AT&T and Verizon have already been rolling out 5G in major cities. With this move, the Trump administration is also cutting red tape. To speed up the process and give carriers more incentive to build out 5G and better internet access for the rest of America, too. We've heard it all before. Millennials are killing lots of industries. Mayonnaise, napkins, print newspapers. This is not one of those stories because it turns out millennials are also helping one crucial industry, the houseplant industry. Yep, you heard that right. In the last three years, sales of houseplants in the U.S. have jumped 50%. It's a $1.7 billion industry. And according to the National Gardening Association, Millennials made up 30% of gardening households, more than any other demographic. But they don't just water their plants, they share them. There are 2.7 million Instagram posts with the hashtag plants of Instagram. Studies show that houseplants reduce stress levels and boost moods, and they detox. NASA says they get rid of up to 87% of household air toxins in just a day. Want to learn other ways you can hit reset on your health this spring? check out the Skim Spring Forward campaign on our website, theskim.com slash springforward. Spring has started, but winter is here. The long-awaited final season of HBO's Game of Thrones premieres this Sunday. So before we go today, we've got some fun facts coming to you from Westeros. First, women rule in Westeros, and the show is helping them close the pay gap too all the core cast members are reportedly paid the same. Second, people die in Game of Thrones, a lot. 
Computer science students in Germany have developed an algorithm to predict the survival rates of different characters. They say Braun, a knight in Jamie's army, is most likely to die next. Sorry, Braun. And finally, the battle for the throne is epic. It takes about two and a half days to watch all seven seasons back to back, without breaks. So if you binge, you can almost be done by Sunday night's premiere. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And to keep us in your feed, be sure to hit subscribe. We'd also love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of news happens over the weekend. So if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 